What is the May Day mystery? Now, I have to admit, it's my favourite mystery. And I first came across it probably about 10 years ago. When I was writing about the Smiley Face Killers and doing all my research for that initially, I came across this organisation and at first I thought, oh my goodness, that's maybe linked. And that's what led me down the rabbit hole. It's so difficult to understand. You've really got to be a member of Mensa, I think, to be able to try and work out what's behind the Mayday mystery. And I think it would probably fascinate you. But be warned, you can spend hour upon hour, day upon day, trying to work out and decipher and decrypt what it is that they post because the messages are so mysteriously difficult to understand. And they incorporate art, culture, ancient history, and certainly religion. And I would suggest you probably have to have PhDs in a lot of these fields of study. And yet, you know, sometimes someone with the right kind of insight may be able to crack it without any of those necessary. Certainly the people behind it are very intellectual. And at first when I was looking into it, I thought it was such a sinister, terrifying organisation. Or is it really about life after death? I may have got that completely wrong. Probably have. Maybe it was to do with all the really disturbing topic matters that I was having to research. There's still some of it that unnerves me, particularly when it comes to the messages from the, what they call themselves, the freaks. But there's a lot more to it than that. It's fascinating in the depth of esoteric knowledge. When I was doing all my research into the cases, multiple, multiple cases, of young college-aged men, particularly in America, going missing after a night out and then being found, usually quite far away from where they were heading to go home and being found dead in water, sometimes with no water in their lungs. Well, I was corresponding with a man called Professor Gilbertson, who, with a retired New York police detective, Kevin Gannon, they had come up with this theory that there was a group of unidentified people abducting these young men for really nefarious purposes. Well, he had said to me, have you noticed that it's happening in Ireland? And I'd said, well, yes, I have. I'm not convinced that it's related to America. The case is there. But anyway, I'd collected cases in Ireland, but I thought, well, let's just have another look, see if there's any more recent cases. When I was doing that, I stumbled across some graffiti. Now, there is the idea that smiley faces are left near the scenes of where the young men are put into the water. Now, this may or may not be the case. It's a common graffiti. Anyway, I go into this an awful lot more in, in my books, and I did a four-part series on these killings. But the point is, he came across this smiley face, but it was different to the ones that had been ordinarily associated with the smiley-faced so-called killers. What it did match when I did a Google search of it led me to a message that had been sent, and now not to me, but sent, and I'll explain to who when we get into the unveiling of the Mayday story. This graffiti was found near a brewery in Dublin, which is incidental, but it had led me by matching up this image to this organisation called the Mayday Mystery. And so that's how I began to look into them. And as I say, at first I thought, oh my goodness, this is horrifying. But then I was coming from that point of view. Now, I don't know the answer to any of all of this, but I'll just present it to you. Let's get into the Mayday Mystery. 
Mr. Robert Hungerford is a lawyer, a member of Mensa, and a postgrad of the University of Arizona, and I believe he's got a doctorate in the field of theology. Well, for the last few decades, he's taken out adverts in the University of Arizona's Wildcat newspaper on behalf, he says, of an organisation that he legally represents. However, he is unable to really give any details about this mystery organisation other than that they have a mission of sorts, though the mission is unknown and has remained so since at least the early 80s. The adverts in the Wildcat College newspaper which invariably often appear around May the 1st each year, though sometimes there are bonus adverts at other times of the year, has lent the organisation and its cryptic puzzles to being called the May Day Mystery. Well, a former student at the University of Arizona called Brian Hance noticed the adverts in the Wildcat when he was working there in the newspaper department And when he took a look at the adverts, his curiosity increased to the point that he collected all the past adverts up and placed them on a website. Some people who had stumbled across this website became intrigued by the adverts too, and they began sending in possible solutions to some of the many complex features of the ads, which are often comprised of infinitely intricate geometric patterns highly complex mathematical and physics formula and random coordinates, archaic quotes from religion, philosophy, history and literature, and there are messages in the adverts too, often written in a number of foreign languages from Chinese to Hebrew to Arabic. Sometimes there are musical compositions, strange phrases appear and also statements that seem to be talking about upcoming meetings for the organisation's members. The May Day organisation appears to have some kind of strata to it. And Mr Hans, Brian Hans, who used to work at the college, would soon begin to be contacted by the organisation. The organisation seems to comprise of a substrata called the Orphanage, who often communicate directly with Mr Hans by email or post, or they give messages to what they call the Order of the Unreconstructed Freaks who contact Brian Hans on their behalf. Then there are the airlings, who seem to be at the beck and call of the orphanage members, and often, according to some of the messages, appear to be in transit, if this interpretation is correct. One advert says, The orphanage has reserved the Hasdorf room of the Hotel California, and most times the meetings are at this hotel. But of course, Where it is physically located, many people have tried to work out. The May Day ad of 2004 includes the message, Child, continue to use the local yokel pigs as an easily accessible platform and electrical conduit who will remain a mouldering menagerie of middle-aged meat puppets until they are consumed at Das Slushtfest. Who are these pigs, people, and what on earth? Do the orphanage mean by this message? One email sent directly to Mr Hans in November 2008 from a Jenny Geddes claiming to be under the instruction of the orphanage signs off with, may we meet you at the right hand of the Father. In the Bible, Jesus stood at the right hand of God. The same message begins cryptically with, 
Greetings, Mr. Hans. We haven't met, but you have probably seen me. Not as I really am, a true, oath-bound freak, but instead a well-turned cheeky spouting nonsense on the screen which serves as the standard, officially accepted heroine for millions of the masses. What I actually do is travel and deliver messages under direct instructions from the orphanage. I belong to what might be termed the second generation of this axial movement, although we really date from before creation when God the Father chose the elect. The esoteric implication is that they are as ancient as time. In 1998, one email received by Hans told him on June the 25th he might go in the Great Hall and not see anybody even though plenary session was in full swing and everybody present. He'd think the place was empty and silent for centuries. It's as though the members of this organisation are not of this physical plane. And yet, so many references are made to physical meetings. The May Day 2001 ad says, The loyal order of the unreconstructed freaks will treat us to porcine x despicy, in light of which de Moivre has suggested that one course consist of boudin and lays. One de Moivre was a French mathematician of the 1700s famous for a formula that links complex numbers and trigonometry. Boudin et is pork sausage. There are also often strange references to experiments. The same advert says, As for the ongoing somatic experiment, it would now be wiser for the asylum choir, again another substrata of the group, to follow standard pharmaceutical regimes, e.g. Abinitio, cyclosporine. If the subject survives and becomes hemodynamically stable and asymptomatic, do not be misled by the reduction in the QRS voltage. This sounds like a sleep experiment to me, or brain experiment. It sounds like a club for Frankenstein aficionados, for reanimation, or building human robots or something. In 2003, Tucson Weekly interviewed Mr. Hungerford about his organisation, to which he responded, It is in all likelihood that I am a disturbed mentally ill person, and these writings are no doubt the ravings of a madman. The magazine called him a self-described antisocial hermit. Hansen said, It's entirely possible that all of this is the work of one disturbed or otherwise person. It could be for amusement, could be mental illness be anything. Although he then adds, but on the other hand, that wouldn't be a bad cover if cover were needed. His downtown office in Tucson is littered with books, cryptography, languages, history, medicine, physics. While he possesses a vast collection of language-to-language dictionaries, almanacs, encyclopedias, all the perfect resources to design the group's most complex cipher adverts. Hungerford denies he has ever read the volumes in his office. He said, I pick out books because of their colour, nothing more. The magazine says, between an assortment of machetes, knives and guns on his walls are handwritten messages in Hebrew hieroglyphics, along with stamp collections and pictures of anatomy. It would seem that Mr Hungerford would be the perfect person to be behind the creation of the ads all by himself, without there being any secret society. 
Yet over the years, Brian Hance has been sent stamps from remote countries far and wide. So who is sending those? Mr Hungerford's registered office in downtown Tucson is around the corner from the Scottish Rite Freemasons building, I noticed. Hungerford seems to imply in his very infrequent interviews that the organisation he has also called the Brotherhood are not opposed to attracting new members. He said, like a tuning fork, there's resonance with the right people. A message he once sent to Brian Hans reads, the day you can see the door, you'll be welcomed inside. Are Hungerford and the Scottish Rite of Freemasons in cahoots? Is this simply a recruiting method for the local Freemasons? The orphanage calls to mind the phrase, the widow's son in Freemasonry, with the son being the central character of an allegory presented to all candidates during the third degree of Freemasonry. Yeah, wouldn't that be too simple as an obvious answer? Most likely, yes. Who's sending the stamps, postcards and letters from remote African villages or the Far East? A letter received from the orphanage by Hans in 2000 points out, while much data can be gleaned by considering secret orders, you are not dealing with Freemasons or Rosicrucians. Learn what you can from any source, but don't pigeonhole. They also point out to those who have said they must be the Illuminati. Greetings from the orphanage. If such phrase appears in your postings, it was not from the orphanage. The alleged Illuminati are indeed inoffensive and ineffective. Foolish people wearing silly hats and clothes that don't fit. We are interested in fundamental change and that necessarily incorporates death rather than external trivialities. Well, this can be seen as rather sinister given the mentioning of death being necessary. Yet again, doesn't it seem to be more of an esoteric meaning of life after death and the continuation of the soul? Hans himself says he can't pinpoint who's behind the messages, though he admitted to Tucson Weekly in 2003 that he has met Robert Hungerford at his office when he apparently went there to fix his computer. Is Hans also part of the game? Could he even be writing some of these communications to himself? Although, the messages were there in the newspaper before he went to college there. And he claims to be just as puzzled by it all too. He said, there's the lone gunman theory, which I've discarded as too long-running, complex and expensive. And if the ads have been running since the early 80s, that would bring the bill to at least $40,000 so far. When Phoenix Mag spoke to Robert Hungerford, he told them, The May Day mystery arose out of a group formed in 1969 in August. There were earlier messages than the first in 1981, but they were in a different medium. Why do they use a university newspaper with such a limited audience? One would think they would be looking for far more attention, but perhaps not. Along with philosophical and theological messages and quotations, there are other messages that could be taken to be quite sinister too. Unless, of course, it's all gibberish. One message received by Mr Hans, for example, is highly strange. It came from one of the unreconstructed freaks and said, well, I've translated it from what looks like a form of Afrikaans or Jamaica slang. Ever wonder how we're doing this? Having visions of Fort Detrick and MK Ultra, the freak asks. Well, although MK Ultra may sound like a crazy sci-fi conspiracy, 
Let's not forget that Martin Cannon wrote The Controllers in 1990, in which he'd read over 200,000 pages of documents from organisations including the CIA and the Department of Defence, along with many witness testimonies. And from this, Cannon believed he'd found that mind control was being experimented with. They could make people believe they'd seen aliens and had encounters with them. He said, the kidnapping is real, the fear is real, the pain is real, but little grey men from Zeti Reculi are not real. They are constructs. Halloween masks to disguise the real faces. He talks about the intel community, DARPA, naval intelligence, using esoteric technology of mind control, erasing memories, using hypnotic resistance to torture, microwave induction of voices. There were almost 150 projects using MKUltra operating on American college campuses. Could the people behind the orphanage be some kind of secret government black ops project? But surely that's too preposterous for words, isn't it? Or is this some kind of black magic game, stemming from the medieval ages because of the antiquity of the messages, when it was called necromancy or sorcery, or the more contemporary chaos magic? Some people have said that their messages which have complex diagrams with them, look like they're encrypted with magic sigils. An email message to Ryan Hans from the Freaks says of MKUltra, lot of that going on for sure, but no news there. There are other ways that the dumb ain't pursuing. Don't need no knock on door, don't need no disguise. Kick it in, rip the fat off their bodies. Write helter-skelter on the wall with their worthless blood and then roll back to the truck and head south of the line. Keystone cops go nuts, looking for the last of Charlie Manson's people. Well, counterculture villain Charles Manson's followers, of course, slaughtered a movie director's wife, Sharon Tate, in 1969, and wrote in blood on the walls, pigs. They wanted social revolution. And as Hungerford, the lawyer, has pointed out in interviews, the May Day organisation is aiming for revolution of sorts too although presumably not quite in so literal a sense. One advert by the May Day has a quote from Samson in the Bible, which says thus, those he killed at death were more than he had slain in his life. But again, this is a religious reference, not one of literal violence. The May Day advert in 2019 ends with the quote, I was shaken with love and dread. This is a quote from Augustine of Hippo, 1354-1430 AD, who was a Catholic bishop, and it's about God. An ad in 1999 says, The art of conversing with stones is called physics, J.T. Fraser, followed by B equals triangulate, and other phrases, including A wink is as good as a nod to a blind horse while the 2008 May Day ad includes Mr Kurtz will present our new line of jams and jellies and is surrounded by formulae and equations. One May Day ad has as its top line, these are not natural events, they strengthen from strange to strange. W.S. This is a quote from William Shakespeare. But if anyone were to believe the meaning of the many quotes and references are that easy to decipher and interpret, because they recognise a quote or two, then they would be quickly fooled. This particular advert ends with, Mr Kurtz is instructed to suppress the infestation of Tane Solium, 
The specific ontological Teonasis has been traced by Iaton to the Pelagian devils. Followed by this is the orphanage's signature smiley face. Teonasolium is pork tapeworm. Kurtz was the central character in Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, a figure who transforms into a despot and mini-god in the jungle, played of course in the film by Marlon Brando. There's also a reference to Conrad's Kurtz in the writing of T.S. Eliot, yet the reason for this reference, if indeed it is referring to Conrad's fictional character, is unexplained. There's also an explanation of who Kurtz might be, which was contributed to the mystery-solving group of aficionados, really, by a lady called Clara Kerr in August 2021. She said, friends, I've stumbled upon a reference to orphanage capitalised in a book by a certain Professor Kurtz. Coincidence or not, it's interesting. This Kurtz is Johann Heinrich Kurtz, who lived in the 19th century, a German Lutheran theologian, a professor and pastor who lived in Hale, who was interested in education reform and created this orphanage, which was described as a New Jerusalem and was a global correspondence network. The orphanage involved a scientific advancement that allowed inexpensive production of Bibles, which could then be distributed. And there is reference of a shipping doctrine in the May Day mystery itself. Well, she continues, the orphanage was banned during Soviet occupation of East Germany, but then restored again after the Berlin Wall fell. She said what's interesting is that the orphanage was far from being just a pietist enclave, also a powerhouse for scientific investigation. This I find interesting because the MDM, the Maiden Mystery, is also full of references to science. There's lots of references in the Mayday adverts as well and messages to Lutheranism. And she continues, so perhaps it's possible that that's the origin of the orphanage and the organisation. For the vast majority of references, quotes, notes and phrases, in whatever language they're presented in the adverts, they don't make for easy understanding, given that they're comprised of a multitude of seemingly unrelated links, formulae, equations, et al. The May the 1st 1994 advert, for example, has predominantly numbers, symbols and formula. One could imagine the organisation is an elite club for genius intellectuals who enjoy games of extremely difficult puzzle solving. Or it could simply be a members dining club. There's a lot of mention of hors d'oeuvres in some of the adverts. Could it all simply be a sophisticated in-joke? But a recurring theme among the adverts is certainly the reference to Pelagian devils, Augustine and Luther. In one email communication to Brian Hans from two characters calling themselves Rocky and Bellwinkle, they say the Pelagian devils are close behind us. Thanks to the grace of the triune God, he who alone is both one and yet three, the same known to Moses and to our Lord Jesus. In one message, the freaks tell Hans, the orphanage and Dallas section send their regards. Fifty years and the Pelagian Devils has not been able to replace the usurper. Another message includes, celebrate the exposure of the Pelagian Devils as perverts and sodomites. Well, Pelagius, AD 354-418, was a British monk who believed there was no original sin and that moral decisions could be made through people's free will without the need for divine intervention. 
he advocated free will and asceticism. Augustine brought the Reformation. He accused Pelagius for teaching that moral perfection was attainable in life through human free will, without divine grace. Augustine contradicted this by saying perfection was impossible without grace, because we are born sinners with a sinful heart and will. There seems to be an underlying theme in the May Day adverts and communications that God and man are sovereign in a synergistic relationship, where man has free will, but can only be saved through accepting Jesus, and man must work in faith to Jesus to ensure his eternal life. Although, of course, I could have got this completely wrong. There's also much mention of Luther, born 1483 to 1546, who was an Augustinian monk who rejected teachings of the Catholic Church. He challenged the authority of the Pope by teaching that the Bible is the only source of divine knowledge. Luther taught that salvation, leading to man's eternal life, are not earned through the action of good deeds, but are received as the gift of God's grace, through belief in Jesus as our Redeemer of sins. He believed in the continuity of a person's identity beyond death. Lutherans believe a person is saved by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. When it comes to salvation, all that matters is faith in Jesus. And unlike the Roman Catholic Church, Lutherans do not believe the office of the papacy as such has any divine authority. This is the most simplistic view, and not being a theologian myself, there may be many errors and misinterpretations in what I've said. And certainly, this is a very simplistic explanation that would certainly not meet the expectation of those in the orphanage, who, from their messages and sophisticated adverts, are certainly highly knowledgeable and learned in scholarly religion, as well as all the other disciplines. It's impossible to do their knowledge justice, and really, study of theology would be essential to understand the orphanage's religious messages and meanings and beliefs. So I apologise that I'm not doing very well in explaining all of this. Who is the organisation behind the May Day Mystery? And is it the most sinister secret society intent on some terrifying possibilities? Or is it really about life after death? May the 1st has always been known as May Day. It was also when the Illuminati in Bavaria was formed. May the 1st is also traditionally April the 30th. This is Walpurgis Nacht or Walpurgis Night, the night of the witch, sometimes also called Beltane, but most commonly known as May Day. We may picture the innocent custom of dancing around maypoles, but the ancient druids would sacrifice a human at this time to appease the gods and hope for good harvest. Like in the ghastly film The Wicker Man, where the victim is placed in a huge pile of wood and burnt on a bonfire. These days, however, we have a straw effigy instead of a human being, the Burning Man. On Walpurgis Night, in ancient Germanic folklore, a harlequin figure leads an army of ghosts and lost souls. The harlequin is the leader of the involuntary dead, one person attempting to help solve the mystery of the organisation found this. They say, so I'm reading through the Mass Lawyers Weekly, and boom, here's this quarter-page ad with a weird seal at the top 
titled Knights of Thermopylae, in of court. The advert says Law Day, May 1st, is a special day in the United States, a day when the secular priests and worshippers of America's new religion, the law, take time to go public to spread the faith required in the Brahmin, Dorian Greys of the bar, to take time to ensure there is still an appropriate cover on their portraits. The wealthy members of the plaintiff's bar to stop circling for the best carrion and other such sacrifices by the power that be. The people behind this advert point out that the rest of the world celebrate International Workers' Day on May the 1st and that in America this day included the event of the Haymarket Riots in 1886 in Chicago, an event which led to several men being hung and this organisation, the Knights of Thermopylae in of Court, believes wrongly and that they were killed for challenging law, power and the wealthy. Is this related to the May Day mystery? Or another sideline? Brian Hans once said, Someone is spending an inordinate amount of time and money on this thing. The cost of the advert in the section of the newspaper in the 80s is estimated to be around $1,000. Hans said, At first I believed it was an individual with a lot of money and time. Then my theory moved to a group of friends playing a game. Now I've run out of theories. He receives packages still that come from around the world. Are members of the orphanage frequent travellers? Or do they have members in other countries? Mr Hungerford appears to be on the board of directors for a non-profit organisation registered to his office which helps people in the Congo by obtaining and shipping medicine to them. Perhaps he travels far and wide. Or representatives. But Mr Hans has received phone calls too from a number of different voices including females. Are these just Mr Hungerford's friends? Their identities are never given when they leave a message. Yet Hungerford is a self-proclaimed eccentric recluse, supposedly. Phoenix magazine said, Worthy of Sherlock Holmes for its perplexing weirdness, is a perennial head-scratcher in Tucson that has stumped residents with a 35-year trail of bizarre clues. Mr Hans told them, I'm surprised the Postal Service has not put me on the watch list, given the wild things they've held for me. The parcels and packages come from countries including Pakistan and often contain postcards, old stamps or rare coins. Theories come and go. Hans said that of the many who have tried to solve the puzzle, one person insisted on meeting Hans in person to tell him that this was the work of the uncaught Zodiac killer. Hans said that made for an entertaining evening, but it was not the last. Sometimes I wish they'd never contacted me at all. He means the organisation. He said, my involvement in the mystery went from simple to far too complex with one email. I wonder what they'd do to me if I just stopped. A Thomas Bradwardine for the orphanage contacted Mr Hans on one occasion. Greetings, Mr Hans. This is not a subplenary, but rather we received word at this location to remind you that today is St Michael and All Angels Day. Remember the context in which he is famous. It was not for standing for one of your elections. We could care less whom's elected, a tool is a tool. The point of writing, as explained to us at this location by the orphanage, is to make clear not only the combative nature of this undertaking, hence the commemoration of this day, but also that the King of the Universe has his agents spread throughout creation, including places such as this one, which are useful but unexpected. Grace and peace, Thomas Bradwardine, for the orphanage. Endicott, of the orphanage, writes cryptically to Hans, the airlings are watchful. You are in no danger, but others are. Small thing to lose this difficult life. 
when feasting at the right hand of the Father is assured. Grace and peace, Endicott. An email sent to Mr Hans by a member of the organisation called Jenny Geddes says, Since I am one of the managers of what you would call the team, which is advancing a prosaic but very important implementation, I've been instructed to write this communication in a very matter-of-fact style. Suits the subject matter, but not the results. Much of what we send and communicate to you is necessarily obscure, but what I and my staff do is as simple as swallowing. What goes before the swallowing is more complex, but I won't bore you with the details. While the results are not boring recent developments, have taken several unsuspected and frankly surprising turns in specimens from the earliest run of experiments. We are applying structural modifications in a rather subtle approach, but several specimens may require direct intervention. We hope not, especially since the interventions could be seen in a negative light by the constabulary. As with most practical matters, it comes down to controlling a given source of supply, as the great mass of our fallen species will continue to seek what they have sought before, and in exactly the same places. Perhaps there is a lesson in all that weaknesses in opponents are obvious opportunities. But it is far less obvious that our failings in execution of prior plans generate dramatic, dynamic possibilities. So our young friend, don't overlook an occasional failure in your projections, as these very negatives may produce a new avenue or even a dimension previously unconceived. In an email to Brian Hans in 2005, from the Oath Giver, they say, Clue, as you have presumably intuited, Mr Hans, we work in the places where we are not expected or anticipated. You and I may or may not meet within the bounds of time and space. Either way, it was decided before time or space existed. What's the mission of this orphanage? It is known that often those who journey down the rabbit hole of the Mayday mystery will become the recipient of some unusual emails, or mail, so be warned. The orphanage have a habit of contacting those who dive into their mystery. The latest messages posted by Brian Hans in June include one which says, Through the Iron Gates of Life, and another says, Pelagian devils follow the bloody footprints through the snow. Track us as best you can. There's one dance you'll do alone. The May advert this year includes photographs of Martin Luther, the pyramid and the all-seeing eye on the dollar, nuclear explosions, the usual smiley face figure, the words boil them in their own blood, they say courtesy of Lenin and Lord Keynes, quotation marks with the words orphans preferred, some musical composition, the words, Banco, it will rain tonight, and first murderer, let it come down. There's also the text, revisionists, you were warned the day you swore the oath, blood in, blood out. A very complex looking formula, a selection of playing cards, the top one being the eight of spades, and the words, nous le deluge. Previous messages sent by the freaks include a teensy hint, never hurt nobody, the Steve name, pick at random, in case the airlings open in transit. Once you've got the ID, the name doesn't matter. It all sounds so sinister, as if literally somebody is kidnapped and placed in a van with the airlings. And yet, when you look 
the vast majority of texts and phrases in the adverts, it's very clear. Well, it's not very clear, but it's very heavily oriented towards theology. And to me, almost about the separation of individuals from state-organised religion, very simplistically, and the continuation of life after death. Their belief in the continuation of life after death. I think the email he received in 1998, which had said that on June the 25th he might go in the Great Hall and not see anybody, even though the plenary session was in full swing, and everybody present, he'd think the place was empty and silent for centuries. I think that seems to suggest that the members of this organisation are not of this physical earth. In other words, some of them communicate from the afterlife, maybe. As strange as that sounds. Although to me, as I now sit in a closed home circle, to communicate with the dead, it's not quite as crazy as you think. I could go into so much more detail, so I'll probably do a part two and three on this and try and make it a little bit more understandable. 